We're in a series at the moment called The Spiritual Gym. Who's been, who, who likes to work out in a gym? Any, anyone here with gym memberships? Yeah? Is, was it a New Year's resolution gym membership or was it just something that you've always, always had? A lot of people uh, like to work out. But the spiritual gym, we think about what it is to work out our faith and work out our salvation. And uh, it's great that we can come around about the word today. I've titled today's message, Developing and Enduring Faith. You know, there's a high probability that if you've been on the face of this earth for any length of time, that you have experienced situations and circumstances that maybe not always were playing out in your favor. I know that's been my case. I've, I've experienced situations and circumstances in life where things just don't seem to be going the way I had anticipated them to go. And the outcomes don't necessarily look favorable for me from a, a financial point of view. Sometimes it can be from a health point of view. Uh, sometimes it can just be from your own thought life point of view. Something comes along that wants to cause you to panic, to fear, to become anxious. And in some way, I believe we all experience these things throughout our life. And from time to time, we may experience things in our life that, that have the potential to even cause us fear. We become fearful about things. I can remember growing up as a young man, I was fearful of the dark, always concerned that there was someone out there, that someone was waiting for me. You know, I would always keep a flash torch, uh, you know, close to my bed and there was one stage where just having the nightlight in the wall socket wasn't enough, so I put a short extension lead out right in the middle of the room with a nightlight in it so it would illuminate the whole room so I would just be able to see what was out there. But, you know, the result of being subject to a highly stressful situation can have several different outcomes on our life. And on one hand, you know, fears over certain situations or traumas that we experience or some people experience in life, can become so serious and debilitating that these people find that they are unable to even carry out what, what other people might consider simple or menial tasks, such as, you know, stacking the dishwasher. Can't bring myself to stacking the dishwasher. We, as the kids were growing up in our house, was usually the opposite, unstacking the dishwasher. You know, if you go to the dishwasher and you need a cup, how about you just get the rest of the cups out and Bless the rest of the family by emptying the dishwasher. But some people are, are unable to function. Stacking the dishwasher, walking the dog might become something that's very stressful. Or even just going for a walk, going to the mailbox, answering the telephone. Who could it be? I don't want to answer the telephone. I don't want to speak to anyone. Checking emails or even seeing who's at the door if there's a knock at the door. On one hand, people can fall into that situation and... Um, and according to the latest statistics uh, shared uh, by SANE.org, in Australia, currently around 1% to 2% of adults experience PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, each year, while approximately 12% experience PTSD in their lifetime. Now, yourself or someone you may know and you've walked closely with may have fallen into that category and may have found themselves in a situation or a circumstance where things just seem so overwhelming in life. And on the other hand, some people may experience what has been described as hysterical strength. And this refers to a display of extreme physical strength by humans. The classic thing, you know, the mother 
being able to lift the car off a child or someone in distress. And if you do any sort of searching on the internet, you'll find that there are quite a few stories of people who have displayed hysterical strength where they've been able to just muster up something um, from deep within themselves and can push through and even lift objects, heavy objects, and even hold them for periods of time uh, that they may not ordinarily be able to do. You know, it's been reported that that hysterical strength is present during situations of or altered states of consciousness such as trance and even alleged possession. Um, if we are to look in uh, the New Testament, certainly the guy that was at Gadareans who said he was legion because there were many breaking chains, you know, insane sort of strength that can happen in some of these situations. Many commentators in this field of research say its description is mostly based on anecdotal evidence. It's amazing how our body's made. Under acute stress, the, body, the body's sympathetic nervous system prepares the body for sustained vigorous action. The adrenal gland dumps cortisol and adrenaline into the bloodstream. Blood pressure surges and the heart races, delivering oxygen and energy to the muscles. It's the biological equivalent of opening the throttle on a V8 car. Our bodies are amazing. Our physical beings are amazing. Don't ever let anyone tell you that we are not fearfully and wonderfully made. The psalmist in Psalm 139 says, I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. But that said, we can see that we can tap into great physical strength and our body at times can even find itself in a circumstance or a situation where you're able to even push through into another level. Now, I've, I've experienced probably what I would describe as an hysterical strength moment in my life. And anyone here ever seen The Matrix, the movie? Anyone? Movie watchers? Yep, yep, we've got a few people. We've seen The Matrix. And you see those scenes where everything just seems to slow down, like the frame rate, you know, and, you know, bullets are flying past, you know, ducking out of the way. I was in a situation once, um, and... I, I don't want to stereotype a profession, but there, I'm, I'm in the smash repair industry and there was this tow truck driver once and uh, feel free to stereotype a tow truck driver just for this one moment in time. This guy had a very short temper and uh, I was only an apprentice at the time and he was doing something to provoke me on a job that I was working on and he deliberately, intentionally put his tools from his tow truck on the engine of the car that I was working on. And I said, please don't put those tools there. I asked politely. And he said, why? What are you going to do about it? And I said, well, I'm trying to work on the car. And he says, well, you make me move them. <laughs> and uh, let's just say I've been working on my temper over the years. And um, you can still continue to pray for that. So I took one look at this little tool caddy that was placed on the air filter of this car. It wasn't a fuel-injected car. And just with one backhand, I just went, Whack! <laughs> And spanners and sockets and screwdrivers went sailing across the workshop. And I turned around and I looked at this guy in his face and his nose started to flare. And his eyes started to open. And I saw what I could only describe as absolute rage in his face. And I knew in that moment, as a ruddy apprentice, that if I didn't either stand up to him or run for my life, there was going to be dire consequences. So I chose the latter. 
I ran for my life. And the workshop at this time was quite disorganized. There were body stands, there were parts laying around. And I had one of those matrix moments. I remember sailing like a gazelle through the air, frame by frame, with this guy breathing down my neck. And I remember stepping out and putting one foot on top of a body stand, which anyone knows is something you put under a car so it doesn't fall on you if you've got a jack underneath it. And I sailed from one body stand to another body stand and sailed off that and finally got down into the back bathroom and locked myself in there until I sort of ascertained that help had arrived. You know, our bodies are amazing physically, the way that we are made, how we can stand up to things. But we are also spirit. And we can sometimes do the natural side, the physical side of life okay. There's a lot of interventions and there's things that we can do to look after ourselves, the foods we eat, the exercise that we, we take upon ourselves. But when it comes to exercising our spirit man, our spirit person, that which is born of God, how well do we do in that regard? How well do we develop this faith that Jesus puts in us to stand and, and just trust and believe like Ella was sharing in, in communion this morning in regards to a, uh, in Isaiah where, you know, all these things will happen that Jesus is going to come and restore us. You know, we have endurance to stand and we haven't concurred this morning. I can tell you, I'm not sharing out of Isaiah, but I'm sharing something very similar. In the Gospel of Matthew chapter 24, we read of an instance where Jesus' disciples were given Jesus. So they'd just been to the temple, Matthew chapter 24, and, and Jesus' disciples were given Jesus this like guided tour of the temple. I find it kind of cute that the disciples say, hey Jesus, check out this building. And they're pointing, they're, they're, they're showing and displaying, you know, this is, this is this part of the temple and this is that part of the temple. I think it's kind of ironic and funny really that you are actually giving God a, a guided tour in a sense. But Jesus went along for the ride. He went along for the show. But Jesus ends up saying, listen, it's not just about this physical building that you're looking at. He, he responds and he says, do you see all these buildings? He says, I tell you the truth, that what you're looking at today in the not too distant future is going to be completely demolished. He said, there will not be one stone standing on top of another stone. And that actually occurred in AD 70. The temple was destroyed by the Romans. And just as a side note, there's a, uh, a day of mourning that the Jewish people uh, reflect on every year called Tisha B'Av. Uh, Av being the ninth month on the Hebrew calendar. It's an annual, it's an annual fasting and mourning day for Jews. And uh, it's a day that they look at where it wasn't a good day. Back in the uh, Neo-Babylonian days, the temple was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. So Solomon's temple was destroyed on that particular day. And then on 70 AD, it is the same day that the temple that was rebuilt was also destroyed. And so the Jews lament on that day. And they say, my eyes are spent with tears, my heart burns, my being melts away over the ruins of my poor people. You know, Jesus was saying to his disciples, I believe, look, fellas, the guided tour has been fantastic. I've really enjoyed looking at the sights of the temple. 
However, don't get me wrong, but I want to draw your attention to what really matters at the moment. And so he picks up here, we're going to pick it up in Matthew 24, verses 7 to 13. He says, nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. He goes on to say in verse 9, then you'll be arrested, persecuted and killed. You'll be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. Verse 13, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Say that with me this morning. The one who endures to the end will be saved. Who wants to endure to the end? I believe that Jesus is wanting all of us to be people that endure to the end. But he also wants to be a loving father and guide to us that He doesn't leave us uninformed about the days that we find ourselves living in. And so God wants us to have an enduring faith. That when the pressures of life come around, when challenges come our way, do we run to and fro or do we stand, do we take our claim and we say, I'm not going to move, I'm not going to be shaken, I'm going to trust in this Jesus, I'm going to trust in what you've said. You said these things would happen. You said these things would rise up. I'm not going to allow my attention to go to the right or to the left, but I'm going to stay firm. I'm going to stay strong, and I'm going to continue to trust in you, Jesus, because you said these things would happen. And Jesus, I, I'm going to be one that's going to endure to the end. Amen, church. Is that the type of church that we want to be? We want to be people of faith, people that are prepared to stand on the promises of our God. The Greek word for endure here is the word and its definition is this, to remain behind, to stand my ground, show endurance, to endure, bear up against, persevere, steadfastness, especially as God enables the believer to remain, endure under the challenges that he allots in life. I love the promise of Philippians where it says, For God is working in me, giving me the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. You know, the great thing about the Holy Spirit in us is that He's always at work in our lives. And sometimes, I know the case has been for me, I don't always see it. I don't always recognize the Holy Spirit at work because all I see is situations and circumstances to me that look like they're not in my favor. And things are crashing and and, and coming and pressing it around in, in around my life. And yet through that, the Holy Spirit is drawing and inviting me into a trusting relationship with Him. And I wonder if we could be a people that could embrace those things when they come around about our lives, what our lives could look like. Instead of saying, God, I just want blessing. I want everything to be peachy. I want everything to smell right, look right, be in its right spot. You know, that's a, that's a, a disposition of a melancholic personality. And God says, maybe can you have to deal with it being a little bit messy, a little bit disordered, a little bit disjointed, 
maybe even a little bit smelly, but that's okay because I'll work with and through that. See, how well is your Hoopo Amenino tank holding up? How much endurance do you have in your life? I'm preaching to myself this morning, so don't think I'm singling you out. God's encouraging me. The Holy Spirit's encouraging me and challenging me to be a person that is willing to endure in life. As many of us are aware, the Apostle Paul was well acquainted with many challenges in his life. And the principle of endurance and perseverance was definitely not lost on the Apostle Paul. From Paul's conversion in 88, uh, sorry, 33 AD, right up until about 68 AD, uh, his life was taken. Uh, historians believe he was beheaded by Nero, the emperor at the time. Uh, he was trying to win favor with people. And uh, Paul, we read in the Bible, particularly the book of Acts, we read that Paul was imprisoned or he was arrested on at least three occasions. But these weren't normal arrests like where our police officers come and say, hey, look, can you come? We, we want to just take you down to the police station for some questions. There's a lot of manhandling that goes on. There's a lot of rough handling that goes on. You've got people that are already pushing around and, and, and he's already, you know, on one instance, he, they, they actually, soldiers had to put him up on their shoulders to keep him away from the crowd. He was no stranger to persecution. He was no stranger to being treated badly. And as I said, it, his last arrest um, resulted in his ultimate death in Rome. And uh, from that jail cell in Rome, Paul pens a letter to Timothy. And uh, we're going to look at a section of scripture in 2 Timothy this morning, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verses 8 to 13. This is what Paul says to Timothy. He says, bearing in mind, this is the third time he's been arrested. He's in a prison. He's in chains. And he says this, always remember that Jesus Christ, the descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. What an amazing place to start. Always remember that he was raised from the dead. This is the good news I preach. And because I preach this good news, I'm suffering and have been chained like a criminal. But the word of God cannot be changed. So I'm willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. He goes on to say, this is a trustworthy saying, if we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. See, I look at the life of the Apostle Paul, and I think Paul was a guy that really got it. You know, he had this 35 years of his life from when he got converted to when his life was taken. 35 years of his life, you could say that he was in like God's spiritual gymnasium. He had a 35-year membership to this life that God had called him to where every spiritual muscle and fiber in his body, I believe, every muscle group, spiritual muscle group in his body had been exercised and stretched. And... Um, you know, if I was going to use a, a saying that a lot of people like to use about someone that's in pretty good shape like myself, Paul was spiritually ripped. He was 
spiritually ripped. He was in such good shape spiritually. Yet Paul would even go on to say in other passages of Scripture, but I'm the worst sinner and, and you know, I, I've got this going on. And so sometimes we can even look at someone like Paul and we can, we can say, well, he was just like this super apostle, man. Like he just had this another anointing that was on his life and, and, and it was okay for him. But you know, it's the same spirit that you and me have. It's the same Holy Spirit that we have. And I just want to look at three things this morning that I believe we can take away from the life of Paul and the way that he was able to stand up and uh, see his faith developed over his life, because I believe that's what God wants to do with us. You know, God is wanting us to continually exercise our faith, exercise our trust, exercise all the things that he's placed within us until Jesus comes back to this earth again. I don't know about you, but I want to be a person that endures. It doesn't matter what life throws at me. It doesn't matter what life throws at you. Hey, let's be people that endure. Three quick things to developing an enduring faith. And we read that here in 2 Timothy. Paul says, always remember. Number one, always remember Jesus ain't dead. I believe this is the best news that, that we as believers, not only does it underpin our faith, the fact that Jesus actually rose from the dead, actually died a physical death on a cross, a horrible death on a cross, but then on the third day actually did rise from the dead. There, there's, there's not just that it's been recorded in the Bible for us. There's other evidences for Jesus rising from the dead throughout history. Even when you think about Jesus actually rising from the dead and why that should be important for us, because as believers, it gives us hope that there is a resurrection. So just as we have laid down our lives we know that one day, ultimately, when we pass from this earth, that we are going to be resurrected in a new body. The Bible says that unless a grain of wheat dies and goes into the ground, it cannot come forward and bring forth, you know, a, a new life. And praise God that as believers, we need to remember that Jesus is alive. That's, that's the hope that we get to share with people. We don't just serve a God that, that, that came and, and declared a few things and then just checked out. He came and he declared a few things, but he rose from the grave and he's still alive today. And that is very good news for us as believers to share with other people because he lives. I love that song, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. Life is worth the living just because he lives. Number two, we need to know whose we are in death and in life. And Romans chapter 14 and verse 8 says, If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. See, something really interesting happened in Paul's life just before he was going to Jerusalem. A group of Christians came and approached him and they said, they actually prophesied and they said, don't go to Jerusalem. Some really bad stuff's going to happen if you go to Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 21, a guy by the name of Agabus, who was another prophet, he comes up to the apostle Paul and he takes, physically takes his belt from around his waist and ties it around his wrists and his, his feet. And he says, so it will be to the person who wears this belt, they will be bound. 
And that's exactly what happened to the Apostle Paul when he went to Jerusalem. He was so prepared for what laid ahead of him that the believers there could not convince him otherwise. And so they said, well, God, let your will be done. And I think what an amazing way to live, that whether I'm alive now or whether I'm expired, my life, this mortal coil has, has expired from this world, I'm still Jesus's. I still belong to him. I'm still with him. He's still with me. I'm still united with Christ. We need to know whose we are in death and in life. And I believe that there'll be nothing that can ever come against us when we're in that place of knowing that it doesn't matter about this life. It's the life eternal that we have with him that counts. The last point is this. We need to trade in your weaknesses. I want to say today, forget your Bitcoin Forget your cryptocurrencies. Forget your shares. The kingdom of heaven trades in weaknesses. We come in weakness. We come broken. And God takes those things that we give to him. Isn't it beautiful that not one of us have to have it all together? That Jesus wants us to come as we are, to offer our lives to him, to come broken, to come in weakness and for God to use that for something great. I just love what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 10. He says, So I'm well pleased with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, and with difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I'm weak in human strength, then I am strong, truly able, truly powerful, truly drawing from God's strength. What an amazing place to be, church, in a position where We can come in weakness. We can come when there's persecution and it pushes us into the strength of our God. That's where God wants us to be, residing in Him, resting in Him, not being anxious, not being uptight, but enduring in our faith in Him. I'm just going to end with a quote from an author by the name of Kay Arthur. And she says this, So many times we say that we can't serve God because we're not whatever is needed. We're not talented enough or we're not smart or enough or whatever. But if you are in covenant with Jesus Christ, he's responsible for covering your weaknesses, for being your strength. He will give you his abilities for your inabilities. Amen. That's the God we serve. That's the Savior that died for you and for me. The one that wants us to have an enduring faith and having done all to continue to stand. 